afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And a hard lesson I learned quite a while ago is that there is no offseason in the NFL. And that lesson couldn't have rung truer with what has transpired this week and what is about to transpire in these next three weeks. Next week, we have the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. And also, the period where teams can admit their franchise and or transition tags begins on Tuesday, February 25th. It lasts until March 10th. And we have the start of free agency with what promises to be the most epic quarterback carousel we have ever seen. And the 2020 league year in just over three weeks. And just what you thought that was enough? This week. These past couple days, we have witnessed and are still witnessing a crucial inflection point in negotiations between the NFL and its players on a new collective bargaining agreement, and it could be clear that there really is no such thing as an off-season in the National Football League. It's only a non-playing season, isn't it, Matt Barr? That is exactly the case. You know, there's that little doldrum about a week and a half after the Super Bowl where not much happens, but then everything just ramps right back up. And it just, <laughs> like you said, it never stops. There's no offseason, man. There isn't. And uh, we will talk about free agency in just a little bit, but let's talk about the elephant to the room right now for most football fans. And that is the collective bargaining agreement proposal that is on the table. Today, the owners, albeit not unanimously, voted to approve the agreed upon terms of a new collective bargaining agreement and it goes to the players who will have a conference call on it tomorrow and uh, the terms of the deal include the expansion of the regular season from 16 games to 17 games along with reducing the preseason by one game plus the expansion of the playoffs from 12 teams to 14 teams seven per conference as bargaining chips the owners have increased the player's share of revenue from 47% to 48.5%, which could potentially go up to 49% with new TV money, raised minimum salaries across the board, almost completely took away the judge-jury executioner role from Roger Goodell, with the exception of matters concerning the integrity of the game, you know, like a deflate gate and matters like that, and put more safety measures, particularly in trading cap practices. But still, if I was a player... I'm not sure this would be enough for me to approve the proposal currently on the table with that additional game. I said previously on the show that unless I got significant concessions in return, such as receiving north of 50% of total revenue, an extra bye week during the regular season, and significantly improved health care and pensions for retirees, I wouldn't sign off on that 17th game. What do you think? I'm right there with you. And, and this, this whole 17th game thing kind of drives me nuts. The NFL in its schedule... And, and the the playoff uh, extra team in the playoff that they're they're trying to to put in as well, the, the NFL schedule is almost perfect, right? It's just the way it breaks down and how everything is even and nice and sixteen games and everybody knows what they're getting week in and week out. You add this seven, you add this seventeenth game. Who gets the extra home game? Do they now have to play a neutral site game every year so that one team doesn't have nine home games and another team has eight? Uh, you know, where's this extra game come from in in the schedule? Because, you know, the schedule, the way the schedule is built. I, I, I don't like it. I completely agree with you. I think if the players are going to sign off on a 17th game, which I really don't want, I really like 16 game schedule. I really like six teams in the playoffs. They need more. And this, this little one and a half percent, maybe two percent extra revenue they're going to get doesn't doesn't move the needle for me. I, I I'm all for shorting the preseason, but. It's still the same number of games. They're not getting extra bye week. I think you hit it on the head, man. They're, there's way too 
little coming their way from the owner's perspective as opposed to what the owners are getting in return. Boop, 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 boop. That's our simpatico alert. It's good to see that we are simpatico uh, on this matter, Matt. And you brought up a good point about that extra game. I did hear, I don't know who it was from again. I better double check, but that I believe the way the owners resolved where that extra game would come from, it would like be a rotation every year. Like half the league would play uh, 10 home games um, one year as in um, like uh, eight or nine regular season games and one preseason game and the other half would play nine and that would rotate year after year. So I think that's the solution for that issue. But that's just peanuts compared to uh, player health and safety. And as Richard Sherman, who is an influential voice on the Players Union Executive Committee, uh, he himself said during the Super Bowl about the blatant hypocrisy of the owners saying, we care about player safety, and yet you want them to play an extra game. But even worse, another one of many items that could derail this deal from getting done by the start of the new league year on March 18th is that players who have negotiated contracts based on a 16-game season would have their 17th game check capped at $250,000, as was reported by Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. But granted, that reportedly only affects players making an average annual salary higher than $4.25 million, which is like 8 out of 1,900 players if the 17-game season went into effect in 2021. But still, I see a downside for those less fortunate players if they sign off on such a cap wage in a 17th game. And why do you think the majority of these players would benefit even more if those small amount of players at the top were able to make far more money in a 17th game? I, I don't think there's I, – I don't see the benefits behind it. I understand the money, and they're going to get a little bit extra, and, and, and only eight guys are going to be impacted by the $250,000 cap. I get it. I, I understand that. The problem is an extra full game has so many more chances for injury for every single player, and they're not going to be have any guarantees. The, the contracts aren't becoming fully guaranteed from the teams. They're not having any guarantees moving forward. I, I just – it's absolute hypocrisy from from the owners, from the NFL. We care about player safety, but we're going to add an extra game, and we want to add more playoff teams, and only one team's going to get a bye, and we're going to play Thursday night games where your body only has three days to rest. Everything they do is they're, they're speaking out of one side of their mouth, and, and they're they're doing something completely different, and it, it's just it's starting to get to me. And and what I really think needs to happen is hurts my soul to say it hurts my whole soul to say. There needs to be a work stoppage. The players need to take a strike until they can get what they need. Not what they want, what they need and what they deserve. Because this is just it's it's getting out of hand. And all these little these little 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 gifts. I, I don't even know how to say it. gifts that the owners are giving to the players doesn't compare to what they're asking for them to do. The compensation doesn't match. I don't like I don't like it across the board. I don't. I don't. Oh. I, I think the players need to take a strike and they need to just say, hey, guess what? We're not coming back until we get what we want. And if you don't agree, that's fine because what you're going to get is the XFL. You're going to get poor quarterback play. You're going to get guys that aren't ready for this level. And we are going to hit you where it hurts the most, and that is in the pockets because that's the only thing that is going to talk to these owners. It's the only thing that's going to speak to them. It's the only thing that's going to get through to them. Is guy going directly for their pockets because that's the only thing they care about. Oh, my God. 
We are on the same page. You just answered my next question. I said if there is no new CBA by March of 2021 when the current deal expires and the NFL decides not to lock out, you strike if you're the players? You just answered that, and I agree. Hell yes, I think a strike is the only option they have left because if you are to make the 17 games work, you have to give the players an extra bye week. You have to give them north of 50% in revenue or at least 50%, not a fraction less. And you need to get them um, lifetime health benefits because football is the most brutal sport on the planet. These players are smart enough to know what they're getting into. And with all the talk about CT and stuff, which is legitimate, but a lot of these players are aware of those risks. They, they just sign up for this game because they love it so much. And they're willing to take the risk so they can make the money provide for their families, but they demand to be compensated fairly in such a often hazardous work environment. And the NFL clearly has no interest in doing that. And the only way the NFL will learn is if the players stick a gazillion middle fingers in the faces of the owners and strike immediately in March of 2021 and not return unless an extra bye week is inserted or a, a lifetime health benefits come. But if, and if those don't come, the 17th game goes. That is the only way the players can beat the owners. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And, I, again, I don't even think they should cave on the 17th game. I, I understand that they're going to need to give a little to get a little, whatever it is. I just I, – I can't wrap my head around how the 17th game is going to work. Let's say let's say a team that has a really good home field advantage. Let's, let's take the, the, the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Arrowhead is a very difficult place to go play. Now let's take a team like the L.A. Chargers, who have essentially been playing 16 road games for a couple of years since they moved to L.A. If Kansas City has nine home games and the Chargers have eight, how does that work? How do you have teams in the same division playing different number of home games? The schedule is just – there's 32 teams. They play 16 games. There's 12 that make the play. It all works. It all works. It's all divisible by four. You start throwing in weird numbers and it gets all it gets all out of whack. My OCD can't handle it. I don't like it. Just keep with 16 games. Keep with six playoff teams. I can't stress this enough. The 17th game is going to go awry. Mark Cuban said this. About six years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he said he said that now. he said that pigs pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. The NFL is starting to get pretty pretty greedy right now. He said the NFL was going to be gone in ten years. And I'll tell you what, if they keep going the way they're going and they keep wanting more and more and more and more and more and more money, that's what's going to happen because these players aren't going to do it. These players aren't going to do it. Fans aren't going to do it. I, look, I, the NFL, it's, 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 it's great right now, but you start tweaking stuff that doesn't need to be tweaked just because mm, we've got more revenue to be made. People are going to see through that, and it, the popularity will drop. If you, the quality of the product drops because players don't want to play football anymore, the sport's going to go away. The players hold all the power in this because they are the talent. They are the reason we go to stadiums on Sundays. They're the reason we watch the Red Zone channel. They're the reason that we tune in. It's the reason the Super Bowl is the biggest event of the year. The reason is the players. The players need to take a stand. They need to realize that they are in charge. The owners may own the team, but without them, the NFL is nothing. Absolutely nothing. You said it, and I was thinking about that Mark Cuban quote this morning and uh, as I almost interrupted you he couldn't have been more prophetic 
Could he? Nope. He hit exactly on the head. The NFL has has this. Oh man, they just they just they're getting ahead of themselves. And they're trying to go for more and more and more and more and more. And it's not going to work. People don't want this. People do not want this. And it's, it's, it's a tone-deaf thing to do. Because if you look across football Twitter, if you look through media, you look through fans, you look through whatever, whoever's tweeting about it, they are not fans of it. They are not. They do not want a 17th game. They do not want extended playoffs. They like the system the way it is now. Because it works. It works works if it ain't broke don't fix it that's exactly what tyler lockett tweeted this evening the wide receiver for the seattle seahawks that we couldn't agree more uh with you tyler lockett and now let's uh play a little game now let's go off cba talk for a little while and we play a game called let's play tag because if the players reject this new cba in the next couple of days which i hope they do personally teams will be able to use two tags for the upcoming season both the franchise and the transition tags, and this benefits three teams I can think of. The Cowboys, Buccaneers, and Titans that have numerous key people coming out of contracts. So in this game, we go over these teams, and we decide, assuming they don't get extended by March 10th, who gets the franchise tag and who gets the transition tag. The Dallas Cowboys, you got Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and Byron Jones, the versatile defensive back. Uh, which one of those three do you think should get the franchise tag if no deals are in place for either of them on March 10th? I know who it, it is. It's Dak. It, it's <laughs> Dak Prescott. It's Dak Prescott. There's no question about it just because, look, I, I tweeted this out a while ago. If there's even a 5% chance that your quarterback can get you to a Super Bowl, a 5% chance, you pay the man. It's the cost of doing business. I don't like franchise tagging quarterbacks because every time you kick the can down the road, you cost yourself more money. If you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, when he signed his contract, he was the richest quarterback in NFL history. That lasted for about 17 minutes until Kirk Cousins signed his deal. Every time a quarterback signs, it's going to break the record. That's just how it works. Aaron Rodgers was signed for a monstrosity of a contract. Now he's playing for absolute pennies. If you believe that the quarterback you have can get you to a Super Bowl in any form or function, Pay the man, stick him, keep him around. Don't franchise tag him because if they do, if they have to franchise tag Dak Prescott this year, guess what? Next year that money's going to be even worse. It's going to cost him even more and more and more. We saw what happened with the Redskins and Kirk Cousins. We saw what happened when they kept using a franchise tag. They used, you kick the can down the road, but eventually you have to shit or get off the pot. Excuse my language. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it's just that's what you have to do. So they need to pay Dak Prescott, but if they don't, yeah, they're going to have to slap the franchise tag on Dak. Yes, but uh, based on uh, what I heard from uh, several uh, radio sources uh, that have spoken to uh, Stephen Jones, it was Stephen Jones himself, uh, who am I kidding? Uh, I expect the Cowboys to get something done with Dak Prescott by March 10th. I think they'd be silly not to. Yep, that's that's my my point. They'd be silly not to to ink him up. Yes, and... And who gets the transition tag should Dak get the franchise tag? Amari Cooper or Byron Jones? Byron Jones. Byron Jones is hard to find quality secondary help right now. In an ever-increasing passing league, I understand Amari Cooper is probably Dak Prescott's best weapon. It's a loaded wide receiver class this year in the draft. There's a lot of free agent wide receivers out there. You don't need to break the bank for a guy like Cooper. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's top tier. I go with Byron Jones. I keep him around for as long as possible because 
Cowboys defense needs all the help it can get. Well, that is a very good point. It's going to be a hard choice, but given the um, wide receiver depth that this potentially historic uh, draft class, um, Byron Jones would definitely make more sense. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really the way it goes. Is you, you look at what's coming up and, and, and what you have in hand. And if they believe they can get two players in either free agency or the draft combined that can be what Amari Cooper is, take like an Oakland Athletics money ball sort of approach to it, right? You don't need one guy that's going to get you 1,200 yards. Can you get two guys that are going to get you 1,200 yards total? If they think they can do that with the, the upcoming free agency class and the, and the draft class, then yeah, you can move on from Amari Cooper and you can let some other team go out and pay an exorbitant amount of money for him. Yeah, plus you got another wide receiver on your team in Michael Gallup who showed tremendous yep. promise last year. And outside of Byron Jones, your uh, corner room is just awful. So um, definitely keep Byron Jones ahead of uh, Amari Cooper if that opportunity arises. And now we go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And two players coming out of contract are Shaq Barrett, who should have been the Defensive Player of the Year, in my opinion, uh, for his performance in the 2019 season, and Jameis Winston. Which one of those two should get the franchise tag? Jameis Winston or Shaq Barrett? Uh, I think you got to go with Shaq Barrett on this one. Uh, he had a great year. He, you know, he came out of Denver. He was playing behind Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. He still had a lot of tread left on his tires. I was very bullish on him last year during free agency. I wanted the 49ers to go out and get this guy. That was my That was one of my number one guys. Him and Preston Smith are my top two guys for the 49ers to go out and get. I think Shaq Barrett is an excellent pass rusher. Uh, you got to franchise tag him. You got to keep him around. They have the cap room to do it. You, you need to keep pressure on the quarterback because it can help a weak secondary look all that much better. As long as you keep getting pressure on the quarterback, you have to keep Shaq Barrett around. Boop, 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 boop. We are simpatico there, given the significant inconsistencies of Jameis Winston. We agree that Shaq Barrett should be the guy to get the franchise tag if need be because he has shown that he is a much more valuable piece long-term than Jameis Winston. Yes, uh, he, he's not a quarterback, but uh, he's uh, much better to keep around long-term than Jameis Winston knowing what Jameis has done uh, in the past. And the transition tag, I think, is a good option for Jameis Winston to gauge his market. Uh, and uh, if his market falls uh, below the tag, you might be in luck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't even know if they use it on Jameis Winston. I, the way Bruce Arians is, is talking oh, yeah. just has me feel like they are ready to move on, whether that's Phillip Rivers, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, or or whoever else like you talked about. The, the, the biggest quarterback carousel in NFL history is about to happen. When it's, we're talking not about guys being drafted, just the amount of free agent pieces that are going to move around from team to team. I don't think Winston's back in Tampa Bay. Transition tagger, no. I just, I really don't believe that he's going to be back. I don't think he's a fit for Bruce Arians' system. Bruce Arians doesn't like it. I know he just had LASIK, which is incredible to me. There's a quarterback playing in the NFL with poor eyesight. How that happens is just beyond me. But I just don't think he's back in Tampa Bay, Winston. Oh, yeah, and uh, it's also been reported by uh, Benjamin Albright, a friend of the podcast and of the Pro Football Network currently, uh, that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have their eyes set on Washington quarterback um, Easton, Jacob Easton, mm -hmm. uh, in the uh, NFL draft, uh, whether that be a, a trade back and take him in the uh, late first round or early in the second round, uh, watch uh, e Easton 
as a potential quarterback of the future for Tampa Bay and either Rivers or potentially Bridgewater as the bridge to him. And now we go to the AFC runner-up in 2019, the Tennessee Titans. You got both Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry coming out of contract. Which one of those guys gets the franchise tag and which gets the transition tag? I, this one's easy to me. You franchise tag Derrick Henry. You see if he can keep doing what he's doing. He's a very physical runner. We know that physical runners don't last in the NFL. I don't break the bank for running backs. I am not secret about that. I do not break the bank for running backs. I think running backs, for the most part, are a dime a dozen. You can find somebody that can do exactly what your last guy did. Derrick Henry gets the franchise tag. You see if he can still do it, and then you let him walk next year. And the transition tag goes to Ryan Tannehill, you see what his market is, and you go from there. I initially would have disagreed with you, but based on some news that transpired in recent days about the elephant in the room of this uh, quarterback carousel, Mr. Tom Brady, I would agree with you because Adam Schefter had his ESPN colleague Jeff Darlington, another fantastic NFL reporter, on his podcast a couple days ago. And Jeff Darlington says, a team that is high on the list of suitors for Tom Brady is the Tennessee Titans. And uh, yes, they just uh, had Ryan Tannehill, but it kind of makes sense as a potential fit for Brady to close out his career because you got his former teammate, Mike Vrabel, running the show in Tennessee with a New England Patriots, uh, early 2000s uh, Patriots-type culture and atmosphere. You got a, a, a talented running back, Derek Henry, who will probably get tagged initially, and you also have an amazing defense with some young stars on the rise. And you got a plethora of young weapons on offense in A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith uh, and a very solid offensive line. This could be an ideal landing spot for Tom Brady. But two other teams mentioned in the mix for Tom Brady are the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders and the L.A. Chargers. Which of those three teams do you think would be the best possible fit for Tom Brady should he leave the Patriots as uh, there seems to be a very good chance he will do so? Uh, I think the best fit is in L.A. with the Chargers. Uh, I think they have quality, quality wide receiver. Uh, Austin Eckler is a good running back. I think Melvin Gordon is gone. He's a free agent. I think he is going to walk. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know how much money he's going to get because he held out and that did not seem to pay off for him. Um but I just think L.A. is the is the best place for him. He is from California. It's it's kind of home. I know it's Northern California is where he's actually from. Um, I, I just think the Chargers would be a good fit. They they already had a pretty immobile old quarterback. They, it doesn't change how the offense operates a lot. Uh, I think the Las Vegas Raiders are building. They're very young. They just released a, a promo picture that they sent out an advertisement on Facebook and it had all these jerseys lined up and all of the guys were like in year two or year three. Like Derek Carr wasn't even included. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I think that's a rebuilding team. I don't think that's where Tom Brady wants to go. So I've got LA as the number one spot for Tom Brady if he leaves New England, which I'm still not convinced he does. And the uh, Chargers, um, a potential advantage for Brady there is that they run a very similar system under offensive coordinator Shade Steichen to the one the uh, Patriots run. It's an Earhart Perkins-type uh, system that he should be more than familiar with and not have any trouble uh, picking up. Yep, absolutely. Like I said, again, familiarity, and, and they're blocking for the same kind of quarterback, right? They're not going from blocking from Tom Brady to, to going to Mike Vick. 
know, it's it's very similar statuesque old quarterback who's not going anywhere. The offensive line is is already adjusted for that. Yes, but they will have the opportunity to draft a pretty good quality offensive tackle with the sixth overall pick of the draft, whether it be Jedrick Wills from Alabama or Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Um, yep. Both of those guys would immediately upgrade uh, that offensive line, especially if they uh, decide to part ways with Russell Okung, as uh, he himself indicated that that could be a possibility. Yeah, Okung could be one of those cap casualties, one of the guys that just, just doesn't quite get there, especially with them drafting so high. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Wirfs guy. I'm a huge Tristan Wirfs guy out of Iowa. So I'm, I'm looking forward to L.A. finally putting it together. I want to see the Chargers put it together. I, I love their uniforms. I love the team. They never should have left San Diego. But I, I would just like to see them finally be able to put it together. As a Broncos fan, it might be unpleasant for about a year <laughs> if Tom Brady comes, but I actually agree. I'm more patient with the Broncos. Don't go playoffs or bust yet this year, Broncos. Just keep up with your current rebuild and keep mm-hmm. doing what you've been doing the last two years to accumulate more talent, mostly via the draft. Do not go all in for this year. And the Chargers are a team that, on the flip side, has to go all in because they're yep. running out of time. They're going to have to pay a lot of their star players like Joey Bosa and Derwin James very, very soon. So um, the the Chargers, t- and plus, they need to start selling tickets. And what better guy is there to sell tickets than Tom Brady? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, Philip Rivers kind of fizzled out toward the end there, right? He, he just didn't quite have it. Uh, Tom Brady may be in the same boat. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not. I'm not huge on Tom Brady right now. I've said that for like five years and I've proven wrong for like five years. So yeah, that's fine. I, I just don't think that he is the godsend, but he will sell tickets. He will sell jerseys. He will put butts in seats. And that's exactly what LA needs, especially since they are moving into the new stadium. Uh, moving into the new stadium and have a lot of the star players who are coming out of their rookie contracts very soon. You're going to have to pay soon. So if you want to make a Super Bowl run, now is the time to do it. And uh, getting Tom Brady gives you that best uh, possible chance. And we mentioned Russell Okung. And speaking of Russell Okung, he is one of the lead candidates to run for the soon-to-be-vacant uh, president of the NFLPA uh, in a couple weeks. And Russell Okung... Uh, if you're looking for a Bernie Sanders type in the ranks of the players, you mean it's Russell Okung. He really wants to challenge establishmentarian thinking on what the players should ask for and get. And if Russell Okung gets to that driver's seat, our recommendation of a strike could really, really come to fruition sooner uh, rather than later. And uh, let's go back to the CBA for a moment. You mentioned about the uh, the expanded playoff schedule, and, and I agree. Uh, the Steelers and the Rams would have been the playoff teams this year. I think a Rams-Packers game at Green Bay would have been ho-hum, and I think the Chiefs would have uh, absolutely slaughtered a Steelers team a quarterback by Duck Hodges. And uh, But what's even worse is that only one team would get a bye under the current play- playoff format. Don't you think that's rigging the system too much in favor of the number one seed? Uh, I think it is a little bit. And to speak on the competition that would have made it, over the last 10 years, I went back and looked at this, there was only four teams that would have had 10 wins or more that made the playoffs in that seven seed on either side, AFC or NFC. So there's a possibility of 20 teams, only four of them had 10 wins. That means you're looking at 16 teams that had nine wins or less. There was four eight and eight teams. I think expanding the NFL playoffs to, to seven teams invites mediocrity 
into a sport that doesn't need it. The playoffs are perfect because the playoffs are built around the fact that these are the six best teams. I have a way to fix the playoffs. We'll talk. We'll talk about that another time. Um, I do think it leans too heavily for the first overall seed. If the 49ers and the Ravens were the only two two, two teams to get a bye this year, I, th- there's so many different things that can happen in a game where the ball is as oddly shaped as a football is. The ball can bounce in crazy ways. That's why the playoffs are so exciting because any team can come in and win. If we look at the Titans and the run they went on, you know, you look at the Chiefs who were down double digits in all of their games in the playoffs. So many different things can happen once playoff football starts that you don't want to see good teams playing an extra game. The six team, the six team system is perfect. It's perfect the way it is. The only thing I would change, the only thing I would change is. I would get rid of division winners host. Oh, yeah. Outright. I, I would too. say that winning the division guarantees you a spot in the playoffs. That's perfectly fine. But after that, we're seeding through six based on record and tiebreaker. And if you want to make tiebreaker number one, this team won their division. That's fine by me. Oh, you completely said it, Matt. Uh, winning your division is kind of like a bonus point, in my opinion, for being awarded a home game. Home games should be awarded on records. Winning a division should just get you the playoffs and nothing else. We've been stressing that uh, several times in the past mm-hmm. uh, on this program. So that is uh, another thing for the playoffs that needs to be tweaked, not adding an extra team. That he is Matt Barlay's gentlemen. He is the co-host of the 4th and Gold Podcast, a must-listen-to podcast for not only 49ers fans, but all NFL fans in particular, especially during times like these. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore. And Matt, before we let you go here, let's... Uh, Look at the rest of this uh, quarterback carousel, and uh, let's pick out some ideal landing spots for these quarterbacks that are on the move or possibly on the move. And we start with Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Brees announced a couple days ago, as expected by most, that he is going to return for the 2020 season. And yes, uh, his uh, current contract is expiring, but he ain't going anywhere. He is signing with the Saints, and that means Bridgewater is on the move. Uh, Which team is the most ideal landing spot for Teddy Bridgewater? New England. Send him to Bill Belichick, whether Tom Brady leaves or not. Give him a three-year deal. Let him play a year behind Brady. Or just let him take the reins right away. Go to New England, Teddy. Oh, absolutely. Given that the the scheme they run, it's tailor-made for Teddy Bridgewater's game. Teddy Bridgewater is not a vertical thrower, and that kind of makes me question the Tampa Bay Cadets because Bruce Arians want guys with arms that could really stretch the ball vertically down the field. And Bridgewater isn't that kind of guy. He's more like that death-by-a-thousand-cuts quarterback in the mold of uh, Tom Brady, the way Brady's been playing this past uh, half-decade or so. So Bridgewater, I think, would be the perfect replacement for Tom Brady in New England should he leave, and I agree. And the Saints do want to keep Taysom Hill. For some reason, they think he could be the heir to Drew Brees, but he is a restricted free agent. And if another team wants to sign him an offer sheet, who should that team be? I, I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't understand the Taysom Hill hype. He has six career passes. Six. That One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm not saying 60. I'm not saying 600. I'm saying six. I just I I do not understand the hype behind this. I if I am not touching Taysom Hill if I am another team. He never finished a season at BYU. He's never taken the brunt of the punishment that he has to because he's always been a gadget player. That's exactly what he is. He has a niche and that's fine. He fills it. 
He is not a franchise quarterback. He is not anything else that anybody wants to – he's a niche player. If he was a franchise quarterback, he would have taken over when Drew Brees went down with a hand injury last year and not Teddy Bridgewater. That it, No team should come calling for Taysom Hill. If the Saints want to hold on to him and want to run fake punts and want to run little quarterback sweeps with him, that's fine. But no other team should come calling. That is a very good point. I am mystified at the hype of Taysom Hill going into a full-time quarterback myself, but let's play devil's advocate for a second. Uh, Look at the Baltimore Ravens and the offense they run. The way they've used Lamar Jackson these past two years, in my opinion, at least from a skill set perspective, is tailor-made for Taysom Hill. Uh, You could uh, sign up to an offer sheet, and if the Saints don't match, you have a good quality backup on your head for the next two or three years in case something bad happens to Lamar Jackson. Uh, just play devil's advocate here. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know, if you're going to put it that way, yeah, the Ravens do make the most sense because of the offense they run and because of how similar Taysom Hill's skill set matches up with Lamar Jackson. It does make sense. It's why they have RG3 as their backup right now because he ran the same system when he was in Washington with Kyle Shanahan. I get it. I, I get it. I just I, I don't understand the hype. But if you are, if, if some team is going to come calling, is going to come knocking on the door, it should be it should be Baltimore. They can man and have him be Lamar's backup. And moving on to Philip Rivers, what is the most ideal landing spot for him? Is it Tampa? Is it Indianapolis? Is it somewhere else? I think it's Indianapolis. A lot of people are saying Tampa. He moved his family to Florida. He bought a house down there. I don't think Philip Rivers cares that much. He's got nineteen kids. He's going to have a ranch down there, whatever they call him in, in, in Florida. He's going to be fine once he retires in two years. I think Indy is the move. I, I like Frank Reich as a, as a coach. I think he can push Jacoby Brissett for the starting job. Uh, T.Y. Hilton still still a moneymaker there. Jack Doyle, you know, Eric Ebron, I believe, is a free agent right now. But there's just – I like Indianapolis. I like the defense. I like the offensive line they have, most importantly. I think he can succeed at Indianapolis – in ways that he couldn't do in Tampa. Yeah, plus uh, he's played with Frank right before. He knows that system inside and out. He's got what he didn't have with the Chargers these past couple years, an elite offensive line in front of him. That should give him mm-hmm. much more time to throw and play more efficiently than he did last year for sure. That ground game should take a lot of pressure off of him, so I think he's in good position uh, to make some noise uh, in Indy. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the, the offensive line is the, is the best part. Of Indy, and I think that's I think Philip Rivers finally wants to go somewhere where he's going to have five guys up front that he trusts. What about Jameis Winston? This is a really interesting one. This is a really interesting one because there's so many different places he can go, and, and what I, I'm going to say something, and I, 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 Chicago, Chicago should absolutely just Trubisky ain't it. Trubisky ain't it. He he doesn't he doesn't take chances. He dinks and dunks. You have good talent from the skill position perspective in Chicago. Go sign Jameis and, and see what happens. What is the worst that can happen? You're back in the same exact spot. Give give Jameis Winston a one-year prove-it contract and just let him come in there and be the gunslinger. Throw for 40 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. I, it just You need something different. You can't have the same boring quarterback rolled out there again this year. They can't happen. I agree it can't happen, 
but uh, Jameis is probably not going to be one of those quarterbacks they're interested in. But this is a quarterback who could be on the move that Benjamin Albright, our good friend, reported earlier today the Bears will be interested in if he's on the move, and that is Derek Carr. What is the most ideal landing spot for Derek Carr? I, I, I don't know because Derek Carr is such an enigma to me. It, it seems like he's he puts up good numbers, but when you watch him play, they, the numbers don't match up with what he's, what he's doing on the field. It, he's another guy I could see potentially going to New England if they really want to make that move. Um, I, I think Derek Carr is best relegated to a backup role somewhere, so I think he should go somewhere where there's a, a decent chance he can get a start. Uh, you know, somewhere like Tennessee makes sense to me. If they keep Tannehill and they're they're gonna need a backup because Marcus Mariota is gonna be on the move somewhere, it, it, Tennessee makes sense to me. But but the 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 Raiders aren't gonna trade him to a team that needs a backup. I Chicago does make the most sense. I did have someone in the business tell me that it's not happening to Chicago. Um, that that's not for sure yet, and that's not something that's it's definitely on the table right now. And this could be interesting if uh, Jeff Darlington's intuition about the Titans being the leader in the clubhouse for Tom Brady is proven correct. Ryan Tannehill. Should the Titans get Tom Brady? Where should Ryan Tannehill go? I think I know where he should go. Well, why don't you tell me? Because I, I, some of these teams, I'm just I'm just mystified by what's going on and, and where these guys are end up. So where, where do you see Tannehill going? I think the Bears would be a better fit for Tannehill than they are for Jameis Winston. His uh, former... Offensive coordinator in Miami, Bill Lazor, who got a pretty productive season out of him in uh, 2014. Um, he's now the OC in Chicago. Tannehill would be a perfect fit for the Bears if the Titans decide to go get Brady and not uh, retain him. Yeah, I, I can see if the Raiders move on from Derek Carr, I can see them going after Tannehill. I, I know when you when you listen to John Gruden do his quarterback camp stuff when he was still with ESPN, he was very, very, very high on Ryan Tannehill. Um, I could see that somewhere he goes, you know, they want a fresh start in Las Vegas, bring in a guy that just won some playoff games that they know that he can do a lot to lean on the running game and they can lean on Josh Jacobs and they can kind of bring everybody else along. I, I, oh, or, I almost said Oakland, excuse me. Las Vegas kind of makes some sense for me too for Tannehill. Uh, he could have gone wrong in either space, whether it's the Bears or the Raiders. And Andy Dalton, uh, it's, whether it's Joe Burrow or Tua or Justin Herbert, you got to expect the Bengals are going to be taking a quarterback with the first overall pick. So if they, when they take that quarterback, uh, Andy Dalton will likely be on the move elsewhere because of his salary. What do you think is the most ideal landing spot for Andy Dalton? Uh, it, it's backup somewhere, right? It's backup somewhere, and I think he's going to want to go somewhere where he has a chance to play, just like I said with – with uh, anyway, um, Miami – Seems to make sense. I don't think they're going to hold on to Fitzmagic forever. Um, Tua, it, it seems to be their target at fifth overall. He's coming off major injury, hip injury. They say he's good. I hope he's good. I, I really think he's a lot of fun to watch. But Miami just seems like the place where Dalton can go and kind of just try and revitalize his career as a backup and, and mentor Tua a little bit. If, if they get Tua, that is. Uh, there's a chance they could get Herbert, as was reported by the Miami Miami Herald, I believe, uh, uh, this week. No, I don't think. It was the South Florida Sun Sentinel with Armando Salguero, the, uh, okay. one of the deans of the Dolphins beat. Uh, he reported that they might be more interested in Herbert than Tua at this point. So keep an eye on that situation, folks. And you mentioned Marcus Mariota. 
What do you think is the ideal landing spot for Marcus Mariota as a backup most likely? Uh, either Baltimore or Buffalo. And, and I say this because both of them are scrambling quarterbacks to an extent. Obviously, uh, Lamar Jackson more of a designed runner. But when you look at Josh Allen, uh, much more of a scrambler kind of guy. They do have some design run for him. Um, but, but both those guys come with a, a higher um, higher probability of getting of getting hurt while, while just playing the game. Uh, Marcus Mariota does still have the legs, can still move. I think he would be going somewhere where he can be a, a quality backup to a guy that plays a similar play style. Another place might be even Seattle. If they, if they want to bring him in behind Russell Wilson, I think he's got to play behind a quarterback that has the same play style. So I'll rank him as Baltimore one, Buffalo two, Seattle three. Oh, those are excellent points. And uh, speaking of quarterbacks that can move around, Jacoby Brissett is pretty mobile himself, uh, noted by his amazing uh, getaway from Von Miller in that uh, Broncos Colts game in October in which he completed that long bomb to T.Y. Hilton, which set up the game-winning field goal. Uh, but Jacoby Brissett, uh, he's in a little conundrum here, the, if, especially if the Colts get Phillip Rivers. Should the Colts keep him as the backup to Rivers, or should they just release him and let him uh, explore his options? And if they do release him, what would be a good landing spot for Brissett? Well, you have to keep him. You have to keep him. I think bringing in, bringing in Phillip Rivers, I don't think you hand the starting job to Phillip Rivers. Uh, you know, Iron sharpens iron, steel sharpens steel. You're bringing these guys to compete for a job. I think that's... That, 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 that could you know, bring out the best in both of them. But you have to keep a quality backup. You can't just cut one loose. They don't exist everywhere. They don't. How many teams have we seen their season just derailed because their starter goes down and they're forced to go to the backup? We have, we have stories like Brian Tannehill. We have stories like you know, Nick Mullins did pretty well after Jimmy Garoppolo went down. The wins weren't there, but he looked all right. But more often than not, you look at the Redskins in 2018 where Alex Smith – was doing well. That was a playoff team until Alex Smith goes down, and then they're forced to go to Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson, and it just it's a carousel of of it, it, Colt McCoy. It's a carousel of backup quarterbacks. They just don't. They dropped the Redskins out of the playoffs because they 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 couldn't win games down the stretch with their backup. You have to have quality backup in the building, and Jacoby Brissett is at the very worst a very high quality backup. Thank you once again, Matt Barr, for joining the program. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. But we'll be back very soon with more coverage of this wild NFL non-playing season. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Matt. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Matt Barr, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome. <laughs>